let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. Grown men wept at the Bauchi State Police Command when they saw the body of 10-year-old Aliyu Yusuf. The boy had been chained inside his own home near Bauchi, Nigeria. Tortured, abused, starved, and mistreated, little Aliyu had survived for 10 days in his prison. But with no one to rescue him and no one to hear his cries for help, the boy could not survive the onslaught of evil thrown at him. He died broken, beaten, and bullied. Even though his physical wounds were deep, the emotional and mental torment Aliyu suffered was even worse. For you see, it was not an enemy who assassinated him. It wasn't an assassin who tortured him or a kidnapper who abused him. It was his very own father. 43-year-old Rabiu Yusuf had chained and tortured and abused his own biological son until he died. Every tear the boy shed, every plea for help, were ignored by the one man in the whole world who should have been moved to have pity on him. So Aliyu died suffering physical abuse, but also suffered from emotional abuse. He died knowing his own father killed him. It's hard to imagine the evil in this world today that would lead to a man to kill and torture his own son. Yet sadly, true stories like that of Aliyu Yusuf are everyday occurrences around the world. Watch the evening news and you'll see all kinds of evil, murder, rapes, abuse, and terrorism. And when we hear of acts of evil in the world today, we often feel confused and frustrated. How could men commit such wicked acts? And how do we respond to such evil? Is there any way to overcome this type of evil? Is there any way to fight back against evil people and turn things around? See, the truth is, whether we like it or not, all of us need to learn how to fight back against evil. For not only do we face evil in the world at large, but we also face evil aimed directly at us. Fortunately, none of us were killed by our own father like Aliyu was, yet all of us likely have experienced evil attacks from evil people that tried to chain us and imprison us and torment us and perhaps even kill us. And when we come face to face with evil people in our own lives, we need to know how God wants us to deal with them. We need to know how to overcome the evil aimed against us. That's the truth we're going to discover today in our message titled, Dealing with Evil People. We're going to study the story of a man in the Bible who found a way to overcome the evil aimed at him. And not only did he triumph over evil, but he also turned the lives of his enemies around till they came around and supported him in his destiny. But before we learn his story, let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we see the evil in the world today and our hearts grow desperate for an answer. 
Even many of us watching and listening now have evil aimed against us. But I pray today, Lord, that you will rise up within us, teach us your truth, and guide us to know how to overcome evil aimed at us. Teach us how to deal with evil people. We submit to you right now, we bind every demonic force of darkness that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to enlighten our hearts and minds, to cover us and protect us from evil, and to give us triumph in the face of adversity. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. I want to invite you to join your faith with mine today. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Welcome today to Truth for Today. It's absolutely fantastic to have you here joining in with me as we study God's Word together. I believe that you are not here by accident. It is God Almighty who brought you here and something great is going to happen in your life today. If you believe it, say amen. You picked a great day to tune in as we continue our sermon series called Dealing with Difficult People. As you know, for the last few weeks, we've been discovering wisdom from God's Word that will help us get along with almost anybody. We're learning the secrets of how to handle critical, controlling, and just plain crazy people. For the truth is we all face difficult people in life. No matter who you are or where you live or who you live with, in this world, there are difficult people all around us. That's why I want to encourage you to listen to these messages over and over again so that you can continue to build up your faith and gain the wisdom you need to face the challenges of difficult people in your life. Today we're looking at the third type of difficult people in life, and that is evil people. And to help us learn the truth for today, we have prepared sermon notes. You can download the sermon notes for free from my website and my social media pages. So I invite you to take out your notes now and follow along with me as we learn three keys to dealing with evil people. And there at the top of your notes is our scripture text for today. It's found in Romans 12 verses 17 to 21. It's on your notes. It's on the screen ahead of you. But I believe God's word has the most impact when it's in our hearts and on our lips. So I'm going to invite everybody around the world in the Philippines in India, South Africa, and Zambia, United States, Canada, the Caribbean, the UK, and all across Africa to join your voice with me right now, and let's read the Word of God together. Are you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
Now, if we were honest with each other today, we would all have to admit that these verses pose some challenging truths that are not easy to accept. These verses are not often quoted uh, and claimed by most people in most churches. You don't hear a lot of preachers preaching on the radio and TV shouting about this passage. Most of us do not want to be told that we should not take revenge. It's human nature to often want to punish our enemies. The fact is, when we're faced with evil people, the natural desire within man is to react with anger and bitterness. We want to retaliate. We want to fight back. Yet all too often, when we react with revenge, we only make matters worse. For the truth is, you cannot fight evil with more evil. If you do, it only increases the evil in this world. In order to overcome evil, you need a greater power. You need a supernatural power. You need the power of God to overcome the evil aimed at you. And in that time of trial, your response will determine your success at overcoming evil. You will either change and become like Jesus, or you will be defeated and overcome by evil in this life. See, every person in life is faced with evil people, but it's how you respond to evil people that determines your success. And here's the good news for all of us. When we learn to supernaturally respond to evil as Jesus did, then we become just like him. When we supernaturally respond to the evil the way Jesus did, we will overcome in the way that he overcame. We will triumph over evil just like Jesus triumphed over evil, and we will achieve God's best blessings for our lives. So today, let's discover how can we supernaturally respond to evil. And the good news is God gave us someone in the Bible who has an example for us to follow. It's the man Joseph, and his story is found in the Old Testament. For when you think about Joseph, he was perhaps the man who faced the greatest evil in this world upon apart from Jesus himself. He was the most abused man in history apart from Jesus. Yet his story gives us keys to overcoming the evil aimed at us. For you see, Joseph was not defeated by the attacks against him. He was not brought down because he knew the secret to overcoming evil. His story is found in Genesis chapters 37 to chapter 50. In fact, 25% of the first book of the Bible is devoted to the story of Joseph, one of the greatest books of the Bible, the beginning of the Bible, Genesis. 25% is devoted to his story because God wants us to know how to overcome the evil aimed at us. God knows this is an important truth. Well, we don't have time to read the whole story of Joseph, so I'm going to give you the condensed agape version of the story of Joseph in 60 seconds. Are you ready? Brother, tighten your belt. Here we go. Joseph was a young man who had 10 brothers. He was the favorite of his dad, and he had a special anointing on his life. God gave him dreams in which he saw his brothers and even his parents bowing down to him. But along the way, his brothers got jealous of him. They hated him so much that they sold him into slavery to a foreign land. 
As if that was not bad enough. As a slave, his master's wife falsely accused Joseph. He was thrown into prison and left there to rot. Even in prison, Joseph was betrayed again. He interpreted a dream for another prisoner. And Joseph's interpretation came to pass. The prisoner was released and went to serve the king of Egypt. But he never helped Joseph. Hey, for 13 long years, Joseph lay forgotten in prison. But Joseph remained faithful to God. And one day, God brought him out. Joseph was released from jail. He was sent to interpret dreams for the king. And in one day, he was made prime minister of the greatest nation on earth. He went from the pit to to the prison to the palace. And later, his brothers who had tried to kill him all came to serve him. And that's the story of Joseph in about six seconds. So give the Lord some praise today. Amen. So what can we learn from Joseph's story? Well, there's three keys uh, to dealing with evil people. And here's your first key to dealing with evil people. I must know the truth. The most amazing thing about Joseph's story is that no matter what was done to him, Joseph acknowledged God in his life. In Genesis 45 verse 8, Joseph said, God sent me. Joseph did not blame adversity on the devil. He did not blame adversity on his brothers. He did not blame anybody, no matter what happened. Joseph said, it is God who has allowed this to happen to me. When he was sold into slavery, Joseph said, God sent me to Egypt. When he was put in prison, Joseph said, God sent me to prison. When he was forgotten for 13 years, Joseph said, God sent me. How could Joseph say, God sent me, when the place he landed was a terrible place? Joseph could make that statement of faith because he knew the truth. He knew that God was always in control of his life. And over and over, the Bible says God was with Joseph. Yet it did not look from circumstances like God was with him. It seemed as if God was against him. His circumstances were so negative that it appeared that God had forgotten him and rejected him and turned away from him. But the Bible says God was with him. In good times and bad times, God was with Joseph. And Joseph believed it even though it did not look possible. And I'm here to tell you today that if you will know that God is with you no matter what evil you're facing, you too will come out victorious. For there are three things you need to know today in order to overcome evil. You must know, first of all, that offenses must come. Matthew 18, 7, Jesus said, Woe to the world because offenses, for offenses must come. And all through this series of dealing with difficult people, we've been learning that you cannot escape difficult people. As long as you live in this world, there will be critical, manipulative, and evil people around you. But the good news is when you learn God's keys to dealing with difficult people, you will overcome no matter the evil aimed against you. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 12 to 14, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have 
the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when he is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. And hear the word of the Lord to you today. Don't be surprised when evil is aimed at you. But know today, know that when you endure the evil in Christ, in God's way, you're going to reap a harvest of joy. You're going to reap a harvest of blessing. The glory of God will come upon you and you will overcome. If you believe it, say amen. See, if you're dealing with evil people today, you have to know that God has not abandoned you. God has not forgotten you. You may feel rejected and alone. You may believe you're suffering because God is far from you. But the truth is your relationship to God is not based on your circumstances. If evil is aimed at you, it's not because God does not love you. It's not because he's forgotten you. If men betray you and persecute you and attack you and hate you, it's not a sign that God is against you. In fact, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Hey, is a promise. I dare you to claim it in Jesus' name. In this world, Jesus said, you will have persecution. You will have tribulation. But he said, we must be of good cheer. We must rejoice because Jesus has overcome the world. And our hope today is in this. No matter how much evil men aim at you, no matter how much trouble comes to your life, you can overcome by God's power. No matter how men hate you or betray you or disappoint you, you can overcome evil. Joseph could say, God sent me no matter where he landed because he knew that trials do not determine God's presence in life. He knew that offenses must come, but God would help him overcome. So just lift your hand and shout after me today, I know God is with me. The second thing you need to know today is that God is in control. Romans 8.28 tells us God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. When God is with you, then you can know that God is always in control. Nothing can happen to you without God knowing it and God allowing it. And he can work all things for good. He can use it to teach you and perfect you and change you. God can work in you to sanctify you and change your circumstances. Think about how this truth impacted Joseph. If his brothers had not sold him into slavery, Joseph would not have been a slave in a caravan to Egypt. If he had not been a slave in a caravan to Egypt, he would not have gone to Egypt. If he had not been sold to a man named Potiphar, he would not have been falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. If he had not been falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, he would not have been thrown in prison. If he was not thrown in prison, he would not have met the cupbearer of the king. If he'd not met the cupbearer of the king, he would not have interpreted dreams for the king. If he'd not interpreted dreams for Pharaoh, he would not have been made prime minister. So every single thing that happened to Joseph led to his final destination, which was promotion. And friend, when you have faith, you can declare God's power and presence in your life no matter what evil is aimed at you. 
when you have faith, you know that all things work together for good. So just say after me, God is working for my good. Once there was a wise man who lived in the Volta region of Ghana. The man did not have a lot of money, but he had one prized possession. He owned a horse, a favorite, beautiful white mare. But one day, this horse jumped the fence that was holding him in and ran off into the bush. The man's friends came to comfort him and say, we are so sorry about your horse. This is bad news. But the wise man gave a funny reply. He said, how do you know it's bad news? It might be good news. Well, the people left scratching their head because how could the loss of your horse be good news? But a week later, the wise old man was in his house looking out the window when he saw his beautiful white horse returning to the compound. And not only did his horse return, but his horse brought other horses with him. Hey! So the wise man captured his own horse and the other horses, and his friends came to admire the man's new horses. What beautiful horses, they said. This is good news. Then the wise man said something funny. How do you know it's good news? He said, it might be bad news. Well, the people left scratching their head because how could getting more horses be bad news? But the next day, the man's only son decided that he would try to ride one of the new horses. So he jumped up on one of the new horses, but it threw the boy off and the son landed and broke his leg. And all the wise men's friends came and said, oh, we are sorry to hear your bad news. Then the wise man said, how do you know it's bad news? Might be good news. Well, the people were confused by this answer. But shortly afterwards, a war broke out in that area. The chief sent men to recruit all the young men in the village, and he pressed all of them into the army. But the wise man's son was exempted because he had a broken leg. Later, during the fight, all the young men in the village were killed, but this wise man's son survived. Then all the wise man's friends came and said, Oh, this is good news. Your son has been spared. And the wise man said, How do you know it's good news? And so he replied, No matter what happened. And the story tells us something important. The way things look is not always the way they are. Don't look at your circumstances and say, This is bad. Look to God. For when you trust in God, everything becomes good news in his hands when you know he is in control. See, friends, doubt is putting problems between you and God. But faith is putting God between you and your problems. When you know that God is in control, you can rest assured that he's going to fight for you. Know that God will fight for you. For Romans 12, 19 says, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And you can know today that God will take vengeance on your enemies. He will be just in your life. He will not allow sin to go unpunished. He is God and the judge of the whole earth and he will do right. The problem for many of us is we don't trust God. We seek to take revenge on our own. And when we do, we are actually taking God's place. For the Bible says, vengeance belongs to God, not 
to you. It's not that evil people don't deserve to be punished. They do. It's not that evil people should not be judged. They will be judged. But it is never your place to judge. It is never your place to condemn. Only vengeance comes from God. Vengeance is the same as worship. Only God can receive worship. And only God can take vengeance. If someone came to worship you, you would say, no, only God deserves worship. And in the same way, you have no right or business to take revenge on any of your enemies. When you leave vengeance in the hands of God, then you are doing the right thing and he will come to fight for you. God takes responsibility for the life that is completely surrendered to him. And I'm telling you, God is going to fight for you. God is going to defend you. God is going to reward you when you yield and surrender to him. So just say after me, God is fighting for me. Billy Graham told an amazing true story about a woman who got saved and came to Christ in one of his crusades. This woman lived in Nairobi, Kenya, and she gave her life to Christ at a Billy Graham crusade. But her new faith in Christ made her unbelieving husband very angry and agitated. Her husband grew to despise this woman, and he hated her because she was living for Christ. Finally, after years, the husband's anger and bitterness boiled over and he decided he wanted to punish his wife. So he hatched a plot in his mind. He would take the keys to his office, to his car, and to his house. He would remove them and throw them away and he would blame his wife and use that as an opportunity to beat her. So early one afternoon, he left the office, and as he headed for the bar to go and drink, his path took him across a footbridge that went over the headwaters of the Nile River. He paused above the river, and he took the keys to his office, his house, and his car, and he threw them into the river. Then he went to the drinking spot and drank all afternoon. Later that afternoon, his wife went to the fish market to buy fish for the evening meal. She purchased a large Nile perch. As she took the fish home and she began to clean it and gut the inside, to her amazement as she was cleaning this fish, she discovered her husband's keys inside the fish's belly. Hey! How had her husband's office and house and car key gotten inside this fish? She didn't know, but she cleaned the keys and hung them on the hook. Later that night, the husband came home drunk. He knew what he wanted to do. He would accuse his wife of stealing his keys. Then he would beat her and force her out of the home. So he came home late at night drunk. He banged on the door, entered the house and shouted, Woman, where are my keys? You've stolen my keys. The woman got up from bed, picked up the keys from the hook in the bedroom and handed them to her husband. Suddenly, the reality of God's power struck her husband. 
He had plotted to trick his wife and beat her, but God had protected her. The keys he had thrown away in the river had been discovered by his wife in the belly of a fish she bought in the market. And suddenly, unable to understand anything other than the power of God, the man fell on his knees. He instantly became sober. He was convicted of his sin, and he began to cry out and repent, and he gave his life to Christ. And I'm here to tell you today, God is able to fight for you. God can change your enemy. He can deliver you from the evil aimed at you. If you want to fight for yourself, then God will withdraw. If you want to take revenge for yourself, then you will never get satisfaction. But if you surrender your problems to God and leave it with Him, He is a righteous judge and He will repay your enemy. For Psalm 58 11 says, there truly is a reward for those who live for God. Surely there is a God who judges justly here on earth. And that's the key, our second key to overcoming evil. I must say no to the evil. First of all, I must know the truth. I must know that God is in control and God is fighting for me. But secondly, I must say no to evil. That's what Joseph did in Genesis 50, 19. Joseph said, am I in the place of God? See, Joseph knew that in order to leave his battle with God, he had to say no to exacting his own revenge. After Joseph was delivered from prison, he had the chance to get revenge on his brothers. He had the chance to pay them back. He was put in a position of power and his brothers came to Egypt looking for food. They fell into the hands of Joseph. He could have beaten them. He could have imprisoned them. He could have punished them. He could have done whatever he wanted to them. But look at what he said. He said, am I in the place of God? Am I your judge? Am I able to give the right punishment to others? See, when you know the truth, then you can say no to evil. You can say no to repaying evil for evil. For Romans 12, 17 says, do not repay evil with evil. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And friend, there's no way around this. God will not allow you to hate your enemy, no matter what he may have done to you. God says, pray for him. There's no opportunity for revenge, only for forgiveness. That's why I am so very troubled by what is happening in churches today. Even right here in Accra, where I live, there are some prophets and pastors who encourage their people to pray for their enemies to die. Hey, there are some churches that hold prayer meetings to curse and kill their enemies. Friend, that is against the word of God. You are never allowed to pray, God, kill my enemies. If your enemy is trying to kill you, you say that is evil. So if your enemy trying to kill you is evil, what does it make you when you try to kill your enemy? Who's evil? Your enemy or you? The fact is, I don't want my enemies to die. I want my enemies to repent. If my enemy dies, I will not recover what he has stolen from me. If my enemy dies, he will not be able to reverse his evil words against me. 
If my enemy dies, he will not be able to see God's blessing on my life. But when your enemy repents, he can return what he stole from you. If your enemy repents, he can stand up and praise you. If your enemy repents, he can see God's blessing on you and join the celebration. That's why Proverbs 16, 67 says, When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. The Bible does not say if you please God, your enemy will die. It says, if you please God, your enemy will repent and make peace with you. So say no to revenge. For Romans 12, 19 says, do not take revenge. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 38 and 39, you've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. And leaving judgment in the hands of God is an act of faith. God is a better judge than you. He will do what is right. And when you do that, you will find peace and healing for your soul. When you say no to revenge, a new calm will flood over you as you surrender to God. That's what happened to one of my pastors in Liberia. During the Civil War, terrible atrocities took place. My pastor saw his own brother being murdered by a strange man on the street. Later, when the war was over and there was chaos everywhere, my pastor saw this same man who murdered his brother. The man had come to poverty. The man had nowhere to go. And the man was on the street begging for bread. God's so kind. The man who murdered my pastor's brother came to the pastor to beg bread. My pastor said, now's my chance. I'll get revenge. I'll pay him back. I will make him suffer. But in that moment, God said to him, say no to revenge. Give food to your enemy if he's hungry. Give him water to drink. And somehow, by the grace of God, my pastor was able to reach out and give bread to the man who'd murdered his brother. And when he did, peace and healing flooded his soul. Say no to revenge. Say no to rejoicing at your enemy's downfall. For Romans 12, 20 says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. See, when men attack you, you have a choice. You can get bitter or you can get better. You can allow the evil to affect you and get you down. Or you can allow the attack to make you stronger. If you become bitter, then you become just like the evil person who aimed against you. You become just like your enemy. But if you forgive, you become just like Jesus. That's why Proverbs 24 says, don't rejoice when your enemies fall. Don't be happy when they stumble, for the Lord will be displeased with you, and he will turn his anger away from them. And this is what we see in Joseph. He did not allow bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred and frustration and anger to eat him up. He let it go and let God take over. When his brothers came to Egypt and Joseph was in power, he did not rejoice at their difficulty. He didn't praise God because there was hungry. He lifted them up and embraced them and forgave them and gave them food to eat. And God is calling on each and every one of us today to let it go. You 
you may say, but Reverend, you don't know how he hurt me. My own husband, my own wife, you don't know what they've done to me. I don't know how I can overcome. But friend, God is here to reassure you today. There is a way of escape for you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can forgive. You can press on. I loose and release the love of God and the peace of God in your life. And when you forgive and receive God's power, you will be transformed. You will become just like Jesus. You will grow and change. And that's our third truth today. When evil is aimed at you, I must grow in my response to evil. First of all, I must know the truth. Secondly, I must say no to evil. And third, I must grow in my response to truth. For the fact is God is teaching you through the trials. When evil comes against you, he's teaching you to overcome. He's developing the champion in you so that you can rule and reign with him. For the fact is God uses trials to help us grow. We need the trials in our lives. We need them so that we can become like Jesus. For you will never become like Jesus unless you're treated like Jesus was. He was attacked. He was hated. He was crucified. And yet he loved throughout all the trials. He overcame evil. And when you are attacked and persecuted and you overcome and forgive, when you supernaturally respond to evil, you will grow to be just like Jesus. By the time Joseph became prime minister, he had grown and matured. He didn't become bitter. He became better. He put the past behind him. He forgave his brothers. He forgave his accusers. He forgave his betrayers. He forgave those who wronged him. And when he learned the lessons God had for him, then God was able to elevate him. That's why in Genesis 41, Joseph said, God has made me forget. God has made me fruitful. And I'm here to declare to you today, if you will learn to grow through the trials you face, God is going to bring you out. You forget the pain of the past. You will forget all the suffering and you will become fruitful in your destiny. That's why you cannot give up today. You have to stand in faith and persevere. You have to grow stronger in the presence of trials, grow stronger in grace, grow stronger in the knowledge of God. For a throne is waiting for you. A destiny calls to you. God is preparing you and shaping you now. And your response to the evil aimed at you will determine how quickly you fulfill your destiny. So let me give you three things you can begin to do today to deal with evil people. First, grow in grace and humility. For 2 Peter 3.18 says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when you grow in humility and grace, you get closer to God. You overcome evil. The enemy sends evil to pull you down. But when you turn your trials into triumphs of grace, you defeat Satan's purposes. When you humble yourself, in the face of trials, you get closer to God and God begins to use you in mighty ways. That's what happened to Joseph when he refused to give in to bitterness and revenge. God elevated him to become prime minister. God raised him up because he humbled himself. For James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
And every delay and every setback in your life, every time you're tempted to worry or be critical or be jealous, is an opportunity for you to grow in grace. God is testing you. That's why I say God is more interested in changing you than in changing your circumstances. God will change your circumstances, but first, he wants to change you. For in the difficult times, that's when we show God what we're made of. Many people today are stuck at the same level. They're never making any progress because they're unwilling to deal with their own inadequacy. But God wants to change you so he can take you higher. Some people are battling the same issue year after year. You're fighting the same battles with the same people. You're getting upset every day about the same issues. And God is not automatically going to remove it until those issues have accomplished his work in you. There's a destiny waiting for you. There's a position God has for you. But the path to that destiny is through the valley, through the trials and temptations of this life. So humble yourself before God and he will raise you up. Just say after me, Lord, I humble myself before you and confess that I need you. I will not fight in my own strength. I will not demand my own way. I yield to you. Give me grace to run my race. Grow in grace and humility. Then secondly, grow in faith in God. When Jesus was attacked by evil men, he trusted God. Listen to 1 Peter 2, 23. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So I say to you, trust in God today. I'm here to declare to you that God can turn your sorrow to joy. He can turn the attack of others into opportunities of victory. I declare to you today that all that you've passed through is simply a stepping stone to a brighter future. Men may have meant to harm you. Others may have tried to pull you down. But God is going to use it for good. The things that transpired against you are going to turn around for your advantage. So just say after me, Lord, I trust in you. I believe you will fight for me. So do not give up. Persevere. And that's our third simple step. Grow in perseverance. James 1 says, whenever you face trials of many kinds, know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And the thing that does not defeat you will make you stronger. And I prophesy over your life today that every opposition, every enemy attacking you is only going to make you stronger. You will not be defeated. Evil has been aimed at you. It may have been long ago. It may have been today. But you have a choice today. You can hold on to the anger and the hurt or you can let it go. You can hold on to it and become weaker or you can get stronger as you trust in God. For you can refuse unforgiveness and bitterness and let God give you victory. For if you will let go of every evil aimed at you, if you will give it at the foot of the cross to God, 
no matter what has been done to you, you will overcome the evil aimed at you. The power of God is greater than the power of evil. So just say after me, Lord, I will not give up. I know you will bring me out in victory. I am an overcomer. I will not quit. Humble yourself today and know that God's grace is with you. Stand in faith and know that God is fighting for you. Persevere and don't give up. For the closer you get to Jesus, the stronger you become. God is going to bring you out. He will make you forget the pain and will bring you into a fruitful destiny. Would you just pray together with me right now? Just repeat this prayer. Lord Jesus, I am an overcomer. The evil aimed at me cannot defeat me. God is on my side. I know the truth. God is in control. God rules. God will work all things together for my good. I will not give in to evil. I will not take matters into my own hands. I will not repay or revenge. I will not give up. I am growing through these trials. I'm getting more grace every day. I'm getting stronger in my faith. I am persevering to put the devil to shame. So right now, I drop all anger. I drop all bitterness. I drop all hatred. I drop all revenge. I drop unforgiveness. And I give it to you, Lord Jesus. Come and move in my heart and life. Give me victory over my own desires. And give me victory over the evil aimed against me. I thank you by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.